IPCA to Infinity Paradigm and Beyond podcast, where we bring the most recognized faces and thought leaders of the technology industry and have candid discussions on industry topics that are top of mind for IT professionals. This time, I'm joined by Jyothi Dugar, CISO for NIH Center for Information Technology. Jyothi, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Can you tell us a little bit about what you do and uh, on a daily basis? I mean, uh, CISO, I'm sure, keeps you relatively busy, but outside of that uh, or including that, uh, you know, what's your day-to-day life like? What are you involved in? Sure. I'd be glad to answer that. Um, yeah, so I do believe in um, a well-rounded approach to pretty much anything, to, to your life, to your work, to your health. Um, and I, I'm really passionate about looking at everything using that holistic approach. So um, I am a CISO at the NIH Center for Information Technology, um, or shortened term with CIT. But um, in addition to that, I'm also a holistic wellness practitioner. Um, I have my own wellness practice where I help uh, people really um, heal themselves naturally through alternative uh, remedies and and therapies um, and and just using a whole mind-body energy connection and approach. Um, I also have a dance uh, uh, company where I teach um, anywhere from three-year-olds all the way up to grandmothers and over 60, um, and all of them actually perform at major events like NBA halftime shows, um, and where I fact, you know, I also factor in health and wellness into the dance and performing arts and, you know, building, building their confidence in, in themselves. Um, and I, and, and, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, getting ready to start writing um, a, a book on just my whole approach uh, to things, um, including cybersecurity. Um, so really, I do believe in, you know, doing what, what you love and loving what you do is, is what really fulfills you in, in, in life. That's, that's outstanding. I mean, I, um, I have to admit to being a little bit awestruck by um, the amount you have going on in your day-to-day life. I'm I'm guessing people don't call you when they want to get updates on Game of Thrones or other TV shows. <laughs> That's funny. I forgot. You know what? I totally forgot to mention that I have three kids. <laughs> this is probably the first time I forgot them. So sorry, kids, if you're listening. <laughs> uh, um, but I do have three kids, ages uh, almost three, almost six, and a nine-year-old. So I, you know, I try my best to be a role model for their generation and, you know, keep them inspired and motivated and really um, having two girls and one boy, um, you know, I want to make sure I'm, I'm doing the right thing and giving back to the, to the world and setting that generation up for success in areas that where I didn't have good role models or mentors, you know, I want to be there for, for them. Uh, that's outstanding. I mean, uh, and so taking it from there and thank you again for all of that. Um, uh, awe-inspiring and inspiring um, uh, background and uh, work ethic and life ethic for that matter. Uh, and that kind of takes us into, you know, um, how we came to have you on the show in the first place is, uh, uh, at least in my experience, uh, kind of a relatively unique way of thinking about a combination of life and um, what I oftentimes refer to as a systems approach, but what a health uh, um, uh, oriented person might have might think of as um, you know a whole body approach 
um, to how you think about life and work and, um, and your job. And so I'm excited to get into that conversation with you. Yes, likewise, me too. So, you know, you, um, you obviously, from that intro, have a very varied b background uh, and a lot of different loves in your life, um, from cybersecurity to dance and health, among other things, as well as your children. Um, tell us, with all of that, how you came to be in the CISO role. Sure. Um, so it always takes someone to notice um, or observe certain qualities in, in others, and especially in women, um, to really encourage them and drive them into fields like cybersecurity, which is um, uh, even to this day, it's still predominantly male dominated. Um, so back in 2005, um, I was working for DOD and I had a great um, manager who, um, I, I was still doing technical, I was always, I was always technical, um, but that's the year that um, my previous manager really saw some potential in me and, you know, as a fast learner and, and told me that, hey, you know, there's this uh, cybersecurity field that's starting to pick up. Um, maybe you should look into that and, and try it out and, you know, we can send you to training and see what you think. Um, so uh, me being the person I am, I started doing some research into it, like, what is this field? What is it all about? And I didn't quite like what I saw. You know, I did see that it was predominantly male-dominated you know, seemed a little scary at first. I really didn't think that that was my cup of tea. But you know what? I said, okay, well, it's, you know, training can never hurt anyone. So let me go ahead and, and do it. And I loved the training that I took. Um, and I really never just stopped after that. I got into the field. I got some projects, um, you know, did some hands-on learning. And I thought, okay, maybe I'll do it for a couple years. And maybe branch out from there, but um, I stuck with it since then. Um, you know, it's just such a large field um, that many don't recognize exactly how big the field is. So it's, it's great because you could, you could do so many different things in the field um, and really never get bored. Um, so that's how I started. Um, and then I realized, you know, I do love working with people. Um, I've always been, you know, a, a leader in everything that I try to do. So I thought, um, I, I saw that there was a technical um, route you could take in cybersecurity, or you could, you know, take a management and leadership route. And that, that really appealed to me uh, more so than being purely technical. So I started looking into what do I need to do to um, what, you know, what's, what's the path? Um, and what I noticed was unlike other fields uh, such as medicine or um, law and being a lawyer, there, there was no clear path in cybersecurity, which is good and bad, um, mostly good. Since there was no clear path, it, it, there wasn't any like right or wrong way to do things um, or like a step-by-step, -step, you have to pass this or you have to pass that. Um, so I just started experimenting with different different areas within cybersecurity, um, and I think just by just by doing that and really um, using the other uh, aspects of my personality is really got is really what I needed to get a, a CISO type of role. And what I mean by that is is you know. If you only have technical skills, um, it'll take you to certain areas in life. But 
you know, in order to be a good manager or a good leader, or a, um, especially in cybersecurity, you really need the communications skills, you need project management skills, organizational skills, um, the ability to relate um, to others, and also just soft skills like, you know, empathy um, and, and being empathetic to, to the situation that others are experiencing and be able to relate to their role, not just tell them what you want out of it. So that's really what um, I was learning a lot of and, and how to do that effectively, um, which really led to my, my position today. Well, that's outstanding. And I mean, that's a, there's a lot of um, good advice and, and a lot in there that uh, even though I'm not um, uh, directly associated with the field of cybersecurity, um, uh, that rings true for what I've seen as well. I mean, when I was first worrying about security from uh, an infrastructure leadership role or a CIO role, um, the, the function of security was very much um, a few people focused on some very siloed areas of opportunity to try to um, wall off, right? And I think, I think that's been determined over the years as being the wrong way to approach security. Um, but, you know, it's like heavily involved with things like um, what to put on a client and uh, what to do at the firewall, et cetera. And the role of CISO wasn't even defined yet. So uh, I think, um, I think that, that, that function and that opportunity, uh, as you found out, is obviously a growing space and, and um, highly critical that we continue to expand on it. So um, appreciate the good work there. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. And so, you know, moving on to, um, uh, you know, thinking about the, the whole, right? Uh, um, you obviously believe that that's important for everyone, thinking about the whole, thinking about the whole, either the whole body, the whole, the whole human, um, or the, um, the, the work environment. You know, how does this life view uh, help you in your role as a CISO? Sure. Um, so yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. So I always go back to the example of um, westernized uh, healthcare. So you know, you, you know, in the western in the western hemisphere, um, unless you're a functional or integrative or holistic uh, natural doctor, usually you know, a patient goes in, they have a certain symptom, you know, have a headache or something, and then you go to a doctor, they give you some sort of medication for your headache. Um, now you take too much medication, you end up with a, you know, an ulcer. Then you go to the doctor for the ulcer, you, you'll get some other medication to fix that. And then little by little, you know, <laughs> um, things, you'll start having more symptoms and you'll get more uh, medicines. And there really isn't a, um, you don't, too often they don't take a, a root cause analysis, like well, what really caused the first symptom to begin with? You know, why were we getting headaches? Um, and, and looking at a person from a mind, body, and energy perspective. Did you have some emotional trauma that's causing physical symptoms? Maybe we should resolve the emotional trauma using other means first. Um, so if you bring that perspective into cybersecurity, it kind of works the same way. Um, you know, organizations have a certain symptom of a problem. Uh, let's say too many vulnerabilities. Um, usually then, 
somebody will throw a tool at it or, oh, hey, let's get this tool to fix our vulnerability problem. Then you realize like, oh, it's not really a vulnerability problem, it's an asset management problem. Oh, okay, then let's get this other tool to, to fix that. And little by little, one, you know, more symptoms will come to the surface and more tools are kind of thrown at those symptoms without really looking at things from a holistic, from a whole point of view. And what do I mean by that? So um, if you, if your users or your system owners or even your leadership, it, you know, like you said, security is often looked at as just the role, just the job of the security team or the CIOs or the, the, the technical staff. Um, and, you know, that kind of worked back in the day when um, security wasn't really a thing. But now it's just that approach is, is not going to work. So we, we have to involve the entire community. You have to involve, you know, your entire organization. All users play a part in security and really getting them to understand their role in it is crucial. Um, and also how, what, what are they getting out of it? So um, NIH you know, as a, as a uh, healthcare organization. So we do have a, an actual hospital here. How are you gonna go to a clinician and explain their role in cybersecurity and what role cybersecurity plays in, you know, the role that they play in the mission? You know, we're not just there to take your computer away from you or tell you what not to do or get you in trouble. You know, you know it's really making the connection um, and even an emotional connection to cyber for that person. Okay, how would you feel if somebody had access to all of your scientific research or your patient care information and they leaked it to the cloud somewhere? Um, now all your 10 years worth of data is either missing or it's tampered with, um, you know, getting them to understand their part in it. Um, and also making sure that you know, you, you're you're not scaring people off, but you are making it realistic for them. Um, and looking at all of your your doing a root cause analysis, like why do we have these security issues here? Like, what is the root cause of them? And then what can we do to, from an integrated solutions point of view, not just throwing one tool at it, but look at um, a lot of times what happens is there's a portion of one tool that people use and then the rest of the tool just kind of just sits there. No one's really using that. Then you buy another tool that, and you use a portion of that. So we really need to look at even the tools from a holistic point of view. Like what tools do we really need? How do we use um, as much of the tool as possible? Um, how do they integrate with other tools? Um, is it just the tool that we need or do we need processes in place to um, so that everyone knows what the right thing to do, promote those policies across the board, um, you know, ensure that uh, the, the CISO or the security office doesn't seem so foreign and isolated like you were saying. You know, if they're just some team that sits somewhere and the only time you, they approach users is when somebody did something wrong, then that's not really promoting a culture of, of cyber safety in the organization. So we really, as cybersecurity professionals, we have to make sure we're, you know, we're, we're meeting with the people, we're meeting with different stakeholders, we're, you know, they know who we are, they're not afraid to call us, you know, we, we're making ourselves more approachable to them. So they, so they, they, we're promoting the idea of 
doing the right thing even when no one's watching. That's when you know you have a successful um, cybersecurity approach. You know, if people are only doing the right thing when they know they're being watched, um, and they're just going to continue doing the wrong thing when they know they're not being watched, which, you know, that's not, that's just going to make everyone's lives harder. Uh, that's a that's a great point, and actually, uh, 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 I think a, a philosophy of uh, my wife and I with raising our daughter, who's who's now beyond um, our uh, ability to control on a daily basis at the age of twenty four. <laughs> but um, when she was young, uh, I think if I'm following what you're saying here, um, when she was young, we never told her not to do something because she would get in trouble or because the police would catch her which was a common refrain when I was growing up. You know, don't, don't right. steal the mail out of the mailbox because that's a federal crime and you can get into big trouble. Um, instead, it, you know, it seems like it's a better way to approach the problem by discussing just why it's wrong and just why you sh just shouldn't do it in the first place. And so yeah. I, I, I appreciate that approach. And so, I, and, and I think, you know, I, I, I know that, um, we had a, a, a slightly different um, thought around our fourth or our third question. I want to modify it just a little bit um, because you know everything you're talking about is very much in line with um, the idea of the uh, IDCA infinity paradigm in, in looking at the whole system. But I wanted to, to change the question. I hope that's okay with you. Uh, sure. And talk a little bit about something that you hinted at, and that's the approach to um, identifying tool sets that um, can help you uh, have a holistic approach to looking at security because some of the points you made are valid in other areas of IT as well, right? Uh, I mean, uh, as a, as a longtime infrastructure person uh, going back for way too many years, you know, I might think of something like getting OpenView um, and OpenView can do 101 things plus groom your cat for you. Um, yeah. But the, the average company didn't implement OpenView, or if they did implement OpenView, they bought a $200,000 tool and they spent um, $200,000 or $300,000 getting it installed and then got the same benefit out of it that they got from putting 20 minutes into installing What's Up Gold, right? And, right. Um, and so I imagine that same problem is very true as you described in security. So can you talk a little bit about, you know, uh, uh, I mean, back up just a second. When I, when I think of security, I think of, you know, there's, I could easily, even as a non-security professional, I could think of um, a, a hundred different places where a security tool might be appropriate. So how do you think about the environment as a whole and ensure that you're not, um, you know, duplicating effort or that you, um, you have the appropriate tools to get the most, you know, using the 80-20 rule, get the most bang for the buck, things like that. Sure. Yeah. So again, I believe in the, the, there's a reason why in the people process technology connection, just like the mind body energy connection, why people are first. Um, they are your, your biggest assets. Um, you know, there's a common mis, you know, uh, con, I guess miscommunication um, in the security world where they call people their, their weakest links. Um, yeah, that, that could happen, but that just means that you haven't really driven the importance of cyber safety or cybersecurity in your organization 
Um, so I would look that, look at that as if you're considering people as their weakest links, then you just have to do a better job of, in, in, you know, in bringing the awareness to them. So I would, I always look at people as their greatest assets. Um, if you have, you know, if, if you empower your people, like we said before, to do the right thing, um, know what the right thing is to do. A lot of times we look at people as like, oh, why did he do that? Like, why did he put everything in the cloud? Like, well, did they know the repercussions of that? Did they know they're not supposed to do that? Were they provided any training? Um, were, were they, you know, did they, are they aware of the risks of doing that? Most of the times they're, they're not. Um, and they're, they're also, you know, when we talk about insider threat and things like that, it's, it's the most common thing is, is a misconfiguration of something or someone that accidentally did something without realizing that they did something wrong. Um, so again, so I would focus on the people first, then um, it's processes. So do we have the right processes in place? Do people know what the right thing to do is and how to do it, who to call when they don't know something? Um, do, do all the, you know, are, are there enough standard operating procedures or policies and are they well known and followed? Um, then comes the tools. So if we can't resolve something with just people and processes, then that's the areas that um, I would look at tools. Um, because the, the tools also include people and processes as well. So that's why it's all connected. So when we start looking at tools, um, you know, rather than looking at the symptoms, um, usually uh, m more often what happens is, you know, like I said, you have a vulnerability quote unquote issue, you throw in a vulnerability tool to that. But the way I would look at it is, is okay, so what is causing these vulnerabilities? Um, I know there could be vulnerabilities with a variety of different things, with software, with hardware, with, um, applications, with websites, um, you know, with coding. So again, it goes back to the people and processes. Are we, you know, for the the developers that are, are creating your, your applications or your databases, do they know the secure way of doing that to begin with? So you reduced the number of vulnerabilities. Um, you know, what type of tool do you really need? Do you need a you know static code analysis tool or you know do you want it when do you want to catch it in in the process as well um so i i look at it um you mentioned a system approach before so i look at things from a system life cycle approach um so not you know vulnerability uh, uh tool is great but it's almost like it's too late if you already have a vulnerability then you, you know your your system is already uh there's a chance that it could be exploited. But why not try to resolve it from the beginning itself? So factoring in security and privacy um, reviews from the acquisition stage itself. You know, before you buy systems or solutions or um, tools or applications, um, you know, factor in the security requirements as part of your acquisition process. Um, then, you know, when you're about to implement that tool in your environment, again, you know, you would involve your, your uh, the security requirements. Like, what do we need to do to implement that in our requirement? Um, so there's, again, like there's two, there's two stages to that. So uh, two stages where you could catch things. Then, you know, you, you also want operations and maintenance. That's when the vulnerability 
really comes into play. Okay, so we've, we've addressed the security when we bought it, we've addressed the security before we implemented it, now how do we address the security for ongoing operations and maintenance? Um, and then the last stage would be disposition. You know, when we're done using the system, um, how do we get rid of it? You can't just throw it away or give it back to the vendor. Um, you know, we factor in the privacy of the data or security of the data. What do we want to do with the data? Do we can we even give it back, or does it have to be? Um, yeah, does the whole system have to be degaussed, or or um, or you know, how do, how do we basically um, sanitize the data before we give anything back? Um, so again, like if we look, if we incorporate security um, through all the rules and organizations, top down, bottom up, all around, and we factor in security from a system lifecycle process, um, I think it'll become obvious where where do we really need the tools um, and why we need them, um, and also, you know, what tools integrate with each other. Um, so from my own health journey, you know, I, I, you know, it's not just from a holistic point of view that I started looking at healthcare, but it's also from an integrated point of view. There's, there's usually hardly ever a time where one remedy or, you know, one way, one therapy is, is really all you needed. It's usually an integrated um, solution. You know, maybe you needed three different therapies and they, in conjunction with each other, um, they it, it worked to solve your 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 healing or your healthcare issues. So same way in cybersecurity, you know, it might not be one tool um, or like the one part of the tool that you're using. You might have to look at um, different tools or different parts. Um, making are you using the tool wisely and effectively? Um, and how does that tool integrate with this other tool that you're planning to get? And do you really need all of these tools, um, or is there a better more integrated solution. Well, that, that makes a lot of sense. And um, I, I, I definitely appreciate that approach. Um, and going back to even what you said earlier, um, I love the, the humanistic approach you take to it. Uh, I just want to reiterate that because I think um, uh, all too often when it comes to the human equation, whether it's the organizational stru structure or leadership style or um, reward systems or whatever, or, or you know, talk of teamwork, talk of customer service, you name it. Um, too many of us treat it with platitudes as opposed to making it, um, uh, really making it part of our day-to-day -day work. And so I, I really appreciate uh, how you've incorporated that into your um, strategy for leadership and for running security. So um, thank you. Not, not that you need my approval, but great job. <laughs> no, it's, it's always helpful to see that it's, it's it's, that it's helping others. It's not just preaching to uh, the choir. Absolutely, absolutely. So you know, we're we're getting close to wrapping up, and I just wanted to ask one more question. Um, you know, it, it I've um, had the unpleasant uh, duty of doing uh, some of the old style security work. Uh, unpleasant, not in the sense that I didn't enjoy the work. I actually did, uh, and the team members that helped me with it. Um, but similar to doing disaster recovery and avoidance. Um, activities. Uh, sometimes they were the, the things that because they were, the, the risk was amorphous um, uh, and the risk was uh, held up against uh, existing opportunity in other areas. Uh, it was always problematic to get things approved. Um, can you give the, 
the listeners some thoughts on on what you've done with leadership and and the and the team as a whole to help get things done that you know are important for the organization. Sure, I mean <clears throat> cybersecurity is always one of those areas where it's it's it, it is hard to show the value of it and also show the risk of not um, doing it. So I again I think um, taking a um, a more relatable approach um, and I'm not saying you should make this uh, an emotional connection but usually when you make a emotional connection to anything you 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 do get more involved in it and then you also tend to understand really uh, the 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 need for it so what, what do I mean by that so um, you know, if you're a CISO or cybersecurity professional and you just go to your your supervisor, whoever that may be, whether it's a CIO or a director, and you just say, oh, I need some more money for my cybersecurity program because otherwise you're going to be in trouble. Um, and, you know, most of the time the answer is going to be no or, okay, well, you know, I, I, they might not understand what why why it's really needed. So what I found best was, um, telling a story, and that's where the communications um, perspective comes in. Really tell the story as 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 if you're actually in the story yourself. So, why you know what's the what's the strategic um, approach to this? So, you know here's the risk based uh, here's a risk management approach to it. Here's the risks that the organization you know you always have to tie it back to the organization. This isn't about you. Um, it's not personal. A lot of people tend to take uh, um, you know a disapproval or uh, if you get a an answer that you weren't expecting as something personal, but it really isn't. So that's and you know, I would suggest not approaching it that way as well. Really tying it back to the mission of the organization, um, how to, you know, what's the value that whatever you're proposing in your cyber program is adding to the organization, um, and and talk about what are the risks of, of not doing that. Um, and really, in, in a language that um, resonates with the person you're speaking to. So if you're speaking to a CFO, um, you know, you do have to factor in, you know, budgets and um, funding and, you know, put it in terms of, of money, like how much money are you saving the organization by um, uh, investing in cyber solutions, you know, and what would happen if you didn't invest in cyber solutions, you know, how much money would you lose at the end of the day if, if you were to be compromised? And when you're speaking to a you know, a, a COO or a CIO, um, you know, putting in a language that they resonate with. Okay, so, um, you know, too often, as we talked about earlier, cyber is regarded as a, a roadblock or something that slows down operations. Okay, you know, that's one way of looking at it, but what if we change the perspective on that? Tell it, uh, tell the story in a different way. So, you know, if you didn't factor in cybersecurity into your operations, then you would basically find out after the fact that something is insecure, um, and or you might not even find out at all. And if you were to be compromised, you wouldn't even really know where to start. Versus if you had factor in security to begin with, then you will, you know, 
it might take a little bit longer to get to the final destination, but at least you know it's going to get there and it's going to um, you know get there safely and securely, so that for the long term, um, it, it you know it's less risk or you minimize the risk. And a lot of people, I'm sure you could relate to this from a data center perspective, don't really remember that availability is also part of your security triad. Absolutely. So people Absolutely. often relate security to like integrity or confidentiality, and they kind of forget about the availability part. Yep. Um, so that's key in who you're telling the story to. So from a CIO or COO or even a director position, they're always like, okay, I need this the system to go live by this date. I'm like, okay, that's great, but if you don't factor in the security in that, then anything could happen. Somebody else might get access to it, and then now you're available, you know, and they can shut down the system. So, um, you know, the, the security triad being confidentiality, integrity, and availability, I think the availability, it's like the red hair child. It's a, it always gets uh, <laughs> somewhat missed or, or not really correlated to, uh, security. Yeah, no, I agree. I, and that's a, a great uh, um, set of answers and, and certainly jives with my experience um, where it matches. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, I, um, I certainly can see why you've been successful and, and it, um, you've, you know, one of the things that a lot of us have been able to do recently is get some exposure to, to government employees in situations where um, we normally wouldn't. And, um, I just want to say, as a as a concerned citizen, it's um, heartening to see um, uh, more evidence, similar to the evidence we saw in the um, in uh, Congress recently, that uh, um, some of our government employees, uh, including you, Jothi, uh, are doing some great work for us. So thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. And so, folks, with that, uh, I'd like to say thank you for, uh, for Jyothi uh, joining us today. Uh, I thought her feedback on security was fantastic. I hope you enjoy it as well. Um, Jyothi, thank you again for joining. And um, I, for those of you who might be interested in participating in a future podcast, uh, please uh, send me an email at podcast at idc-a.org. Um, uh, if you'd like to find me online somewhere and follow what I'm worried about, you can uh, find me on LinkedIn uh, under Mark Teeley or at mtlee10 uh, on Twitter. And Jyothi, where can people find you if they want to look you up? Um, sure, I'm on LinkedIn as well, um, or my website, www.jyothidugar.com. That's J-O-T-H-I-D-U-G-A-R.com. Great. Thank you again for joining. and. Um, We'll talk to you next time. Take care. Thank you so much.